Most entrepreneurs waste an insane amount of time trying to build their business. They are online 24-7, sacrificing their private life and burning out in the process. This is going to end right now. Welcome to the Content Lounge Podcast. I'm your host, Virginia Reassis. I'm a serial entrepreneur, copywriter, business coach, and recovered workaholic. I know what it takes to go from burnt out and overwhelmed to building a six-figure business, posting only once a week and working less than five hours per day. My secret? Cutting out all the crap that doesn't move the needle forward in your business and producing content that actually attracts clients and gets you paid while living your best life. Want to create a business and a life you love? Sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you. Hello, hello. I am so excited because I'm bringing you a very special guest. I have followed her for quite a while on Instagram and I've always kind of secretly fangirled around everything that she said because, oh my God, this is a topic that is so close to my heart. Without any further ado, I am so excited to introduce you to Erica today. Hi, Erica. So good to see you. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm super excited. Please let everybody know, like, take a moment, introduce yourself. What is it that you do? Sure. My name is Erica Hornthal. I'm on instant social media gram. <laughs> on Instagram, my handle is the therapist who moves you. So that kind of is a good introduction into potentially my platform and the work that I do. But by background, I am a dance movement therapist. I am a clinical counselor. I practice in the United States. I'm based in Chicago, Illinois. And more recently, I've just become really, really focused and passionate about helping people understand that the way they move has everything to do with what they think, how they behave, and that if we want to change those things, we really have to look at the way you know they're patterned through our movements. We really need to change the way we move to change the way we think. Yeah, I love this. So for everyone who's who maybe has joined the podcast a little bit later or doesn't know my full story, here's why it's really an important topic to me. I used to teach flexibility and I really observed how people were moving. And when you start to open up areas in the body, the hip, the back, typically people have big emotional outbursts. They might just start laughing like crazy or they would start crying and when I was like starting out teaching flexibility I was super insecure when these big emotional outbursts would happen and I'm like are you okay are you hurt and I'd be like no but when I was seven my hamster died and it was so bad and you it, it would bring up the like strangest stories within me within others within my students so when I found Erica I think I found you on the explore page I mm. remember it so clearly because it was a post about the connection of like the lips and the hips so mm. tight lips type hips and that spoke to me because I have like or when I'm stressed I have jaw pain and I have hip pain and I was like, I need to follow this woman and I need to learn from her. So what, like, how did it come together for you? Were you a dance teacher or movement teacher first? And then the clinical therapy came together with it? Like, how did you discover all of these connections? Because I don't believe this is taught in classical therapy, right? Right. It's it's not taught in 
more formalized, like you just mentioned, classical therapies. I mean, what we're seeing now is more of a focus on somatics in therapy. There are somatic therapies. You know, ironically, therapy, I guess, psychology, taking the word out of therapy and just bringing it back to psychology, you know, that really was the foundation. It was the intersection between mind, body, and spirit. And with the invention of dualism and Descartes and this mind-body split, you know, modern psychology is really more interested on the neck up. And so we're getting back there. But my process actually was pretty seamless. I I have my training as a dance movement therapist and counselor together. So it wasn't really like cart before the horse, right? Or like which came first, the chicken or the egg. It really was this integrated experience, you know, but my personal background, movement and dance definitely came first. Although perhaps now that I think about it, I mean, I have always had this connection personally between moving my body and on the other side, always helping people. I don't know that I ever knew that those two could coexist until I went into college and someone actually told me about the field of dance movement therapy right at about the time I was looking to make a career choice. And so it just divine intervention, right? Worked that I was able to like declare a major and then stay on track so I could go right to get my master's degree, which I did. I did get my master's in again, dance movement therapy and counseling. So, you know, I think the seeds were planted when I was young. I just, I've always been a dancer and a mover not a dance educator. I was never a professional dancer. It's just something that I've always enjoyed. I feel the most me when I'm dancing. So it's just a creative, expressive outlet for me. And yeah, just the fact that my whole life, I've been the helper, I've been the listener. And when I realized or you know was told, wow, I could marry these two into a career, I didn't exactly know what that meant. It took me years to figure it out. <laughs> And so I think my social media platform is kind of the culmination of where my passion really rests and the purpose of that work. But yeah, it's it's been a process. It's been a, a process of integrating all three, you know, or or you know, mind, body, spirit, so to speak. And you know, I think what's most interesting is the work itself does not entail dancing or being a dancer or performing or entertaining. It really goes back to our roots in nonverbal communication and expression. And that at the heart of it, we all have some experience with dance as communication. And that that's actually where most of our communication is. And, you know, to kind of get back there so that we can best express ourselves and meet those, those primitive needs, which you were expressing, you know, seeing some of your clients, it's like these deep seated inner child wounds that come out because they've been suppressed or covered up, you know, it's been really wonderful to kind of uncover and unlock that, that potential for people to heal. Yeah. I really love the work that you do. I, I didn't even know that you could merge the, the dancing and the movement with therapy. And until now, I just thought like, oh, you become a therapist when you study psychology. And it's like that typical scenario I've only been to therapy once in my life, but it was like I was sitting there on a couch and the person was talking to me and 
or I was talking to her and then in the end we got to draw a picture. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's that probably a lot of people's experience to be honest. So yeah. Yeah. And I was really lucky. I like did not know like the deep pain I was in or like all the hurt. And then I had this almost like spiritual experience when I started dancing and I had just this phenomenal coach who would not just like teach teach me how to move but like also like I, I remember my first class like she would look across the room see me sitting cross-legged I couldn't actually sit cross-legged because my right hip was so tight that my knee was somewhere like at my hip at my mm. shoulder I would say I like the whole right side of me was so tight and she was like okay it's okay. You're safe here. Like, let's talk about it. Tell me everything I need to know. And <laughs> like, it was like a completely new experience. So how does the work that you do with your clients, you run mostly an in-person therapy, right? I try. It's a little bit of, you know, it's, it's still mixed, I think, because everybody's a, a different place now, you know, through the pandemic. Yeah. So my focus is in-person, but at the, yeah. at, this current venture, I would say it's still probably about 50-50. Okay. Where are you based? Just so we know if we have any listeners in your area that want to make yeah. appointments with you. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm in Chicago. I'm in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah. Starting to branch out a little bit on social media, not social media per se, but uh, on on you know virtual. So I've been offering telehealth sessions again to people, especially in my area who want to use their health insurance, right? Are looking for clinically based work, but realizing that again, the focus that I'm kind of shifting to, right? This more therapeutic movement as metaphor, if you will, it's been really lovely to connect with people all over the world, right? And kind of impart some of this inherent right intuitive wisdom that we all carry with us we just sometimes we need a little little reminder on how to access it so yeah so if you're based in in illinois or you're in you know certainly in the united states i always love to connect with people but thankfully that really hasn't stopped people from from reaching out regardless yeah so tell us a little bit more about what does the work actually look like what do you do if someone comes in and they I don't know they tell you like I'm really depressed and I have all these problems in my life what happens is that even the type of person that comes to you you know it really varies what's interesting is because dance movement therapy is seen as such a niche right oftentimes people see that as a specialty in itself but it's really just, it's not just a modality. It's, it, it is kind of a principle, if you will. It's more than just a somatic intervention. But because it's a, a form of assessment and observation and intervention, the people that we see come across you know, our door or come through our door come with so many different mental health concerns and issues, right? It's not just, I want to feel better in my body or I want to connect better with my body. That's fine. I've definitely had clients come through with that need and goal, but you know, it's really dependent on why the person has shut off from their body. And we do that for so many different reasons. So you know, I've seen individuals that, yes, have a history of depression. Anxiety is really, really big, very running rampant right now, right? Sometimes it's just it's just stress, learning to manage stress better. It can be life transitions, right? I'm graduated college and I'm, you know, figuring out this whole adulting thing, empty nest syndrome. And and then 
I never, I never identified myself as a trauma expert or trauma therapist, but because of the nature of the work, a lot of the individuals that I'm seeing do identify with trauma. And so it's about, you know, working through regulating nervous system, you know, so that we can, so the body can process some of the trauma that's occurred over the years. So it looks very different depending on the person. Again, this framework and kind of model that I'm continuing to pursue is really about putting our movement at the forefront. So while we have this ability to use movement and dance in a lot of different ways to help us express ideas, feelings, or emotions, sometimes it's as a metaphor, sometimes it's just postural or gestural. What I've really been trying to focus on is having people connect to what they're experiencing and how it contributes to their body or how their body is showing up in that moment. So with your example, I might have someone come in and say, this is what I experience. You know, I feel like I'm depressed or I, maybe I have, I already have a diagnosis of depression. And what I try to do is ask, how do you know, how do you experience that in your body? What does your depression look like? How does it move? So that we can start to uncover our our movement signatures. We can start to look at how I currently show up in this body. We need that baseline so that then we can start to look at ways to enhance and support a more robust movement vocabulary, right? So if my depression is keeping me pretty slumped over, I have trouble making eye contact, I don't find pleasure in things, maybe I experienced lethargy or what feels like lack of motivation, you know, none of that's bad. It's your body's sometimes, well, not sometimes, it's your body's trying to tell you something, right? It's maybe in safety mode or, you know, doesn't have the resources and tools to move beyond those postures. It's not just about, okay, this is what you're doing and let's do the opposite. It's really about being familiar, befriending our body, understanding how it's currently moving and existing, and then looking at ways to expand that in a in a secure, compassionate, you know, gentle approach. So sometimes we're talking a lot and sometimes we we're moving a lot and it's the interaction between the two, you know, so it, it's really looking again at nonverbal communication, all of the ways the body is talking, not just our words, because we don't always have the words, the words that we use don't always fit the bill or it's just, it, you know, words just don't express a hundred percent of what we're feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I can resonate with that a lot. And it's so interesting to hear that because when I, for example, when I'm on a coaching call with a client and sometimes you can instantly see a change in posture or a change in facial expressions or what's so common is that they stop breathing altogether mm. or that their lips get really, really tight and they start mm. talking talking without opening the lips. So mm. you can tell instantly like, oh, okay, we're touching on something. We're not 100% sure, but whatever thing like a launch or putting yourself out there, allowing yourself to fully be seen on social media to like show your quirky personality or I don't know, like something and suddenly they start talking strangely or moving strangely. I mean, I can only really see from like the chest up, but mm -hmm. that alone can sometimes be enough to tip you off 
that there is something way deeper going on than just, I don't know, I just don't have time to create Instagram stories or reels or something. So mm, how could coaches or business owners, is there a way for them to like self-coach or self-notice when these things appear? What should they look out for? It, it seems, I think sometimes I say like cliche or some people, you know, think like, really, is that, is that really all I have to do? But for me, it always comes down to awareness, you know, is that we, we really just need to build in more awareness into our day. So, you know, we're aware of, you know, the meeting that we have coming up. We might be aware of, you know, the lack of filter or lighting on our Zoom call. It's up to us to become aware of how we are existing in our bodies, you know, at any given moment. So sometimes the first piece of awareness is the overwhelm, you know, is the, is the thought or I'm not, you know, I can't, I shouldn't, I'm not good enough. I don't know how, right. These are the thoughts that come up. So if that's the first thing you notice are the overwhelming thoughts or the shoulds, the woulds, the can'ts, then you can remind yourself to pause and say, how is this showing up? What do I look like when I'm in my should? What do I look like when I'm in my can't? That's a good place to start. You can also just start from the body, right? And at any given moment, even if you're not identifying with any particular thought, just noticing how you're showing up, even in these you know little Zoom screens, right? Do I feel confined to this box? Because when our body feels confined, our mind will be confined as well. And so if you're on a call where you're really trying to be expansive and look at all the opportunities and choices and, and, and brainstorm is your body allowing your mind to do that, right? I might want to step away from the screen. I might want to maybe turn away from the camera. Maybe I need to get up and stretch different ways to kind of condition the mind, right? We can do that through the body just simply by changing and shifting our postures. So, you know, I, we kind of started talking behind the scenes yesterday and it was really resonating with me on you know, how many of us have trouble decision-making, how many of us think we want this business, but we're not even really connected to it. You know, it's, it seems lucrative or someone else is doing it. So that must be, you know, the, the right thing to do. But I really think all decision, all decisions start somewhere in the body, even if it's the decision to say no, <laughs> even if it's, wow, this really isn't for me. We have to get a sense of where that is in our body, right? It all comes from sensation. So if there's lack of sensation, that's a sign. If there's, you know, an overcharge, right? Or overstimulation in the body, that's a sign. I think there's a lot more that we could be doing, right? To tap into our potential as coaches or as business owners. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. So a lot of my clients are really high performing go-getters and they're quite successful especially like my one-on-one -on -one clients they may be already making six figures or even multiple six figures but then you ask you're like okay well how did this launch feel and they go like i, I don't know and what will bring you joy here? Like, how could you make this more fun? Like, okay, you're feeling really tired of social media right now. How could you make that more fun? And they go like, I don't know. But what would you like to do in real life that you find enjoyable? I don't know. I don't mm -hmm. know. What hobbies do you have? I don't, I didn't have any hobbies. 
I was just achieving, achieving, achieving as a kid. I got straight A's. I had to go to Mandarin class and play the violin and do this thing and that thing. So I get in a really good school and I don't know who I am. I don't know what I like is what I'm hearing from these replies. And truly, I don't, I don't exist in my body. I mean, I'm physically present, but Mm -hmm. like it really blows me away. And I see a great deal of that before I had my own transformative movement experience that really, truly changed my life. I was not in my body. I did not know where my body was from the tips of my fingers to my toes. Like I had no idea, no idea. I had no, no control over my limbs. And I did not know what I was feeling. So how can we better support people? How can we bring more awareness to your work? But also how can we better support our future generations or other people in our life to encourage them to become more aware of where they are and reading their their sensations in their body as information that's extremely valid and helpful. I mean, I think a big part of it is is letting those experiences happen. You know, for a lot of us, they've been minimized, mitigated, silenced, etc. And I and I don't just mean, well, it can be a trauma lens. I don't just mean because of trauma, but you know, as a mom, I recognize that this can happen very often where your child experiences something, right? Like they they fall down, right? But you know, they're fine. You know, it's kind of like, you're okay. Don't worry. It's fine. Brush it off, right? We think yeah. we're being helpful, right? Because we're like, no, no, no. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. You don't need to cry. It feels helpful or, or we think it's coming from a helpful place. But what we're really doing is actually overriding their lived experience in a sense, right? If the child is like, oh my God, I fell and this is the most awful thing that's ever happened, like let them move through it, you know? Then you can say, oh, oh, did that hurt? Oh, is that painful? How are you? Do we need to shake it off, right? Just kind of let them have that experience as opposed to you're fine. And maybe they are fine, but maybe they're not. And we just minimize that experience by not letting them brush it off, jump it out, shake it out, right? That's a very just general example. But I think we've all experienced that. We might just not remember it because we were so young. And so now the the things that we remember are more like, like gaslighting. You know, someone is kind of making me feel crazy or like my thoughts don't matter or how I feel doesn't matter. So one, allowing people to have their experiences, especially if it's not harming you or them, right? I think with regard to awareness of sensation, you know, we can practice being more present to one, what we feel internally. And those can be things like hunger, thirst, the sensation of having to go to the bathroom, right? Like, there are functional functional sensations, right? That can actually, that we can t- be more in touch with. It doesn't just mean we have to go inside and be like, oh, this, this burning in my chest is my grief, right? Maybe it is. That's kind of advanced and not everybody feels comfortable doing that, right? Certainly not by themselves, right? We, want, we, want, we might want someone to help us process that. But for some of us who are so disconnected from the sensations in our body, I find that one way to start 
is with what you were mentioning, this proprioceptive sense. Where am I in space? Right. And so that can be a simple like taking up space in the in the regard of like reaching out. Like when I reach my arms out, can I tell how far I am from something in front of me? You know, and maybe I start by like I'm I'm reaching out to my bookshelf. Like if I touch, oh yeah, I can touch my bookshelf, right? And then I can practice actually closing my eyes. Can I reference where that same point is? Yeah, I found it, right? Or somewhere close. A lot of us don't know where we are in space, right? That's a proprioceptive sense. So some of this is developed when we're young by spinning and twirling, you know, the visceral, the vestibular, whirling and spinning and rolling. But a lot of us stopped doing that a long time ago. And if you don't use it, you lose it. So I don't necessarily expect all of us to go out and start taking gymnastics classes or acro classes again, but there are things that you can be doing to track where you are in space, right? Notice how close you are to someone that's next to you. This translates to when you're in a car, right? Can you gauge how far you are from the person in front of you or behind you? I recognize that sometimes there are limitations, right? We all have different depth perceptions. My depth perception is a little challenged. So I think maybe that's also one of the reasons I've been very aware of this growing up. But I guess I want people to keep in mind that it's not just about noticing the internal sensations. It's also about noticing the external, right? Can I tell the difference between t- between someone touching me and me touching them, right? The, the, the intersection, right? Between like, how do I put it? Kind of surface, right? Skin versus like under the skin, you know, and just there's always opportunities to be aware of that, you know, aware of how I'm sitting in my chair, how my clothes are laying on me, how much comfort I feel in my body at any given moment. These are opportunities for us to notice our own boundaries, right? The boundaries of our bodies. And when we know or have reference of boundaries of our own physical being, it translates to those psychological boundaries as well, right? It doesn't surprise me that people who don't know themselves or have a sense of where they begin and where they end also don't know when to say yes and no, or they just say yes all the time, right? So I think there's a high correlation of burnout and lack of boundary and lack of physical boundary. <laughs> yeah. It's funny with a lot of the the things that I synthesized in my mind, like the the things I'm reading, the books I'm reading, the content that I'm consuming specifically from from people like you this verbiage of like not knowing where you start or end both mentally and physically is Mm -hmm. something that has come through so strongly like I really truly believe like one of the big lessons that I find a lot of people really need to learn and 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 you said it so beautifully if you don't know where you physically start and end like where the tips of your fingers end and like how big you are how small you are like where your arm ends your reach ends uh, but also like mentally emotionally is that actually my responsibility or is this outside of myself Mm -hmm. and these kinds of noticing these kinds of things I think is is really life-changing do you have any idea why we lost that connection is it only Descartes fault or do you feel like <laughs> is, is there something in modern society that also and facilitates this loss because I really truly see it as a massive loss mm. 
I do too. I'm really glad that you brought that up. And and I don't blame Descartes. <laughs> you know, he was just a thought leader of his time, right? Well, that's maybe a thought we could have done without. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I mean, actually, now that I said that, I mean, I think with that comes this idea that we have to look outside of ourselves for knowledge and wisdom and expertise, right? Which I, I'm not knocking. I mean, we don't know everything. Right. We don't have knowledge in everything. We don't have interests in everything. Right. Like I look to scientists for lots of things because it's out of my scope of not only practice, but interest. Right. Like I don't have an interest in astronomy per se. Had to learn a little bit of it, but it's not where my passion lies. So I'm really glad that there are people who do have an interest in that and a real taking to it so that they can impart their wisdom. Right. Share things with us about that. So it's important that. You know, we look to others for support, for education, for wisdom, for guidance. And I don't know when that actual shift occurred, right? Because, you know, psychologically, I think we're always looking for validation outside of ourselves. But at some point, it feels like it became more important than the actual internal validation. And we're constantly looking to others to know what we should feel, right? Like whether it's, I don't know. Gosh, there's so many examples. I just think more in modern day, like, you know, with social media and, and social networking kinds of things, right? That everyone can have a platform. Everyone can say something, have something to say, which in some respects can be really great, right? We can find our voice and we can speak our needs. But kind of like what you mentioned, it's a very slippery slope into my worth, my value, what I have to offer, my wisdom is tied into other people's thought of it, right? So if I can, you know, always come back to self and say, no, this is still what I believe. These are my core values and beliefs. And even if someone comes at me and says, you know, you're wrong, you're this, you're that, I, I, I can stand in that, right? We're losing that. I think we've we've been losing that for a long time, right? Where we really rely on that external validation for so much. And if we're not, if it's not modeled for us, right, how to internally validate, if that's a term, it's a sense it's a sense that we lose, right? Very easily. And so I think honestly, coming back into sensation, feeling things in our body or outside of our bodies can be a way to reconnect to that. But that's my sense, you know, is that who I am for so many people depends on who you are or who you aren't, right? If you're invading my space, it's because you shouldn't be here. If you're invading, you know, or or it feels like a threat, it's hard for us to kind of take ownership of, right? If we don't know what we feel. I think it's Damasio who just put out um, a newer book and basically said, like, if you you can't know if you don't feel. Yeah, like everything we know comes down to something that we feel. I think if you just look at the comment section of social media, that's very, very easy to see the people who don't feel they will feel triggered Mm -hmm. and then they will blame you for triggering them, but they are not able to look internally. Why did this upset me? Right, right. And and my upset is your fault, right? Like, I mean, it's it's. Again, it's valid for people to want to feel that or say that, right? But then it usually stops. There's no healing. There's no internal like, hmm, why do I feel this way? Why did I act that way? What's yeah. going on in me? You know, and that's maybe that's another problem is like external validation mixed with instant gratification, 
right? We like, we're not, there's a whole world of people that are invested in this quote, the work, right? You know, people online that are always looking for the next thought leader in that space or, you know, want to do the the work to self-heal. But I still think that's a very small percentage of people. I think most people just want the solution, right? If there's an app that can tell me what I feel, how I feel and how to move through that, great. <laughs> right? But, but that doesn't really exist. I mean, there are somatic apps, right? They can help you be calmer and in touch with your body and regulate your nervous system. But no one, nothing can tell you what it's like to experience your body. That's something that you have to do for yourself. And if we're too busy raising kids and then paying the bills and building that, you know, multi-million dollar company, we miss, we miss it, right? Like, I mean, you could have all of those things, but you are the common denominator, right? So it's in your best interest to check in with yourself, know what you feel so that you can continue to be present for those things, right? And know when you need time for yourself. Yeah. Otherwise you will wake up one day and you will recognize your business has become a cage. You don't have any connection with your loved ones and you're terribly unhappy and you don't know how to get out of it because you can only build for something. Right. I think that's why so many quote successful people, because usually we think of like success as monetary, right. Or, or business oriented. So that's, that's just what I mean when I'm, when I'm saying success in this instance, Right. That's why some of the most successful people or who we think of as successful are not necessarily the happiest. Right. They're, no, absolutely. They're not balanced. There's not a balance there. There's not a self-awareness or a knowing for a lot of reasons. Like you said earlier, right? I always I did this. I was told to do this. I wanted to, you know, excel, go, 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 do, 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 because that's that's my identity, right? Or that's what I think my identity is. And yeah, I mean, you 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 can Success to me is a balance of, of everything, right? It's it's not just a successful business. It's not just the family. It's like, do I know who I am as I'm building these things? Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. Please, everyone, take note. <laughs> Listen to Erica. It drives me really crazy because um, when I join masterminds or I'm in a room with a lot of other quote-unquote quote thought leaders and then mm. you look behind the scenes and you listen in on the conversations, there is so much frantic energy, so much lack of safety, so much, yeah, so much anxiety that everything is going to come crumbling down because like that is what they live for. Mm. And there's they're just... A lot of the times they're not happy, they're not satisfied, they're making thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a month, what other people make in a year. And they're just like, Okay, well, how do I get to a hundred? And then how do I get to two hundred thousand dollars a month? And you're like, Hey, hang on. What's wrong with enjoying this moment and really savoring this moment? How do, like where is all this frantic energy coming from? What are you striving for and why? Mm -hmm. And it's this continuous search, like looking for the next thing, because I don't even know how to feel happy or content or joyful because I don't know what brings me happiness or joy or, or, or calm and content feelings because you can't feel anything, right? Mm -hmm. You're not just muting a lot of like the, the bigger 
more negative feelings or more difficult feelings or hard to bear feelings, but you're also muting all of the good ones. And then you keep striving because you're waiting kind of for them to kick in, but it's just not going to come unless you're in touch with your feelings. And then Mm. you can make intentional decisions about how to craft your life or how to design your life to fuel the ones you want to bring up more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think for a lot of people, because they hear, oh, I have to be in touch with my emotions. Well, you know, oh, then I'm going to be an emotional person. Right. And and not that that's bad, but I think it, it feels very I don't know, vulnerable. overwhelming to say the least. Yeah, horrible. People are like, I don't know feel. Oh, vulnerable. <laughs> Sorry. Thanks. I yeah. horrible. <laughs> horrible too. I have a clients that yeah. are like, oh, feeling sucks. You know? But the alternative was you didn't feel anything. And that sucked too, because that put you in recovery, right? Or that put you in, I shouldn't say recovery. That's a good thing. It put, it put you in, in, you know, needing severe like treatment, right? That put you in an inpatient facility, which Thankfully, you got help, right? But like, this is often when we build up not letting feelings in, right? They consume us. So eventually, something has to, something breaks, right? Something, not breaks, but something gives, right? So instead of feeling all of my feelings all the time, letting them in, because then it feels like a can of worms and you can't, you know, that's overwhelming and it's like the floodgates, right? I think what we can start practicing is allowing allowing our emotions to move through us. That's really that's really to me the point. Like that's actually what I identify most with dance movement therapy is it's not necessarily sitting in, embracing, and just feeling the emotion. It's actually allowing the emotion to move through you. Because when it doesn't move through you, that's when it gets stuck, right? That's when we have our jaw pain, our hip pain. It's it's Actually, as we talk about this, I've had like really bad back pain lately. And I I know exactly why. It's like I got to the point where I wasn't taking care of myself. (laughs) I was, you know, doing for others for a long time. And oh, right. Yeah, I I need to make sure that I'm, you know, doing things for me. That is my reminder, that back pain, that, that knot in the back of my like hip kind of lower back. Like that is my reminder. I could minimize it. I could totally numb it. Right. it's, It's not structural. I could just take a painkiller every day and just push through it. That would lead to other things, right? So I take the time to notice what does it feel like? What can I do? Like every couple of minutes, I'm constantly checking in with it, stretching it, twisting, whatever. But these are things that we need to pay attention to, right? Because otherwise, they become the dis-ease becomes disease, right? And sometimes it's physical and sometimes it's it's emotional. So that's all to say that I think anybody listening, right, who's like, oh, I'm totally out of touch with my emotions and I'm not ready to feel them. Just notice if you can move with them. Like, can you let your emotion move through you? If you're feeling stress, what is one way that you can move the stress through your body, right? And that can be, you know, it's a shaking, maybe it's a pounding, maybe it's a squeezing, you know, there's a reason that like all these fidget toys are all over the place, right? It's a rhythm. It's a movement that just allows these feelings and emotions to move through us. So you're starting to relate to them. They don't have any control in terms of, oh my God, here they come, right? It's a sensing. It's a feeling. We feel it. We move with it. And then maybe it dissipates or just lessens at the very least. So I think that's important. an important distinction, right? That it's not just, it doesn't just have to be about Oh, good. I can identify it. 
right? This is my sadness. This is my happiness. But can I move through it? Because for a lot of people, that's a big win. You know, when I'm feeling stressed and all of a sudden I've done something that allows the wave to pass and I feel a little bit of release, it's it's like validation. It's like, wow, I just did something for myself. I took care of myself in a way that maybe I wasn't able to before. So it's not just exercise, right? It's not just running on the treadmill because that can perpetuate that go, 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 that chaotic, that stressful, always achieving, right? And just, I guess one more thing since it's on my mind is like, there's a reason that it's hard for us to just stop and notice what's going on, right? When you said, I'm always striving for the next thing. I noticed it in social media numbers, right? I'm like, ooh, ooh, if I could get to 5,000 followers, wow, that'd be amazing, right? But then potentially you bypass that or you surpass that. And then you're like, well, why did I, you know, on to the next, right? And then at some point you're like, if I could go, if I could only get to half a million, <laughs> you know? like, I mean, yeah, then you're just like never satisfied. So can we just be present, right? To the, the, just be present, right? Can we just kind of stop and take a moment in an inventory of like, wow, look at how far I've come or look what I've created. Is there content? Am I content? Right. And, and if I'm not able to sit and notice why, what am I afraid to notice? Right. What am I afraid to feel? And it might be a void. Maybe it's sadness, right? It's like, I'm not good enough. So if I don't just keep striving, 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 if I don't have something to reach to, right, I'm just reminded of that void. But that's really important information. No, we don't know if we don't stop and feel. Yeah. Oh my God. I love everything you said. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm going through it myself. Like I do this all the time, you know, where I'm always playing that comparison game and especially right right (laughs) especially on social media you know I'm like oh god this is trending now oh I have to do this real and I'm like wait a minute do I want to you know and just because we don't want to do something doesn't mean (laughs) it's funny I'm I'm thinking of my toddler now because he's like I don't want to and we're always like just because you don't want to doesn't mean like doesn't mean that you don't get to do it (laughs) like I know you don't want to wear your pajamas but you need to because we're getting ready for bed right so I'm like laughing because I'm like all right yeah life lessons but but I can recognize you know like what's stopping me is this fear is it vulnerability right or is it just wow, is this a boundary that I'm just saying, you know what? This just isn't going to happen today. Like, I don't, I'm not going to make a reel today, you know, and and that's okay. I'm going to put my priority somewhere else. You know, I'm going to do something else today. Maybe I'll, I'll just, you know, post over here instead. So I think we just, again, we have to know what we feel to really know what it is that we want or what it is that we need. And so when I don't know what it is that I want or need, that's when I go back to my body and I'm like, what am I feeling? Oh, I'm exhausted. This is exhaustion. What can I do to meet that exhaustion? And maybe that's walk outside, get some fresh air, spend some time with my family. Maybe it's taking a nap. <laughs> it's calling it a day and going to bed early. But that there's always a signal. There's always a sign. You just have to stop and listen. Yeah. Oh my gosh, if you're building your business, like these are the actual lessons that are so much more valuable than any social media strategy course or launch program will ever be because it really affects like you're not getting back your lifetime and if you can't intentionally 
mm, perceive what you're feeling and what your body is trying to tell you. Like you are going to end up with a lot of like unhappiness or illness, or as you said, disease becomes disease. And I just meet way too many incredible women who are super successful, but like health-wise they're falling apart. And unfortunately Mm -hmm. I've made that mistake for a really long time. I had three burnouts until I learned I'm a workaholic. Like seriously, most people get it after the first one. (laughs) And then I asked my husband, I'm like, you know what? I think I found out I'm a workaholic. And he looks at me and is like, you had no idea. (laughs) You're like, you did? How could, why did you tell me how did you not know like you work on weekends on holidays on your birthday on Christmas like how do you not know and I'm like I had no idea and he was just like he was impressed he was like how can you like not know yourself that much and I was like yeah I, I had no idea and I spent an entire year with a count like a, uh, a calendar reminder on my mm-hmm. phone Three times a day at different times of the day it will pop up and be like what do you need right now what do you feel right now mm. and I would sit there and it was just complete radio silence like it was not like it felt like you know when you try to call a landline phone and it goes like the person you're trying <laughs> to reach <laughs> is not available and I sit there like it felt like I was an idiot I'm like Oh, I think I need to go to the bathroom. Oh, I need to, I definitely need to go to the bathroom. I had, I didn't notice. Mm. I did not notice. And then I went to the bathroom. I was like, how could I not notice when I need to go to the bathroom? Yeah. And then I would start noticing hunger or thirst. And not just because like a number on my bottle told me it's 11 a.m. So you got to drink until here. But like, I think all of these things are just symptoms of the fact that we've completely lost touch with who we are, what we need, and like our lived experience. And I'm so glad you brought this up with the kids because this is something I am hyper aware with my children. And it took me about a year to figure out that I could just ask them, oh, you fell down. Are you hurt or are you scared? Mm. What do you feel right now? Yeah, and even yeah. my two-year-old like looks up and she goes like oh I got really scared and then she gets up and she keeps walking like there was no need to devalidate what she was going right. you can just ask her but because I wasn't in touch it didn't even occur to me because I as a kid for sure was always being told like oh no nothing happened all good nothing happened both of right. our grandmas are like nothing happened and I'm like can we please not say that Right, right, right. Because it's what we're raised with and what we're conditioned to do. And I mean, my thing was sorry. You know, how many times did I hear that growing up? Sorry, sorry. So then I learned to say it, right? Sorry, sorry. And, you know, at some point, well, one, I just realized I don't want to say it anymore because I was like, I'm not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, why am I saying this if I have no sorrow or remorse? You know, I mean, like, I bumped into someone, I can say, excuse me, right? Oh, excuse me, right? That's more in line with I'm sorry because I'm actually not sorry that I bumped into you. It was it was a mistake, right? I didn't mean to do it. So I think, you know, we can also look at how certain language does play a role, you know, and then how that impacts the way we show up or or, you know, contort or constrict our bodies or make them less visible or, you know, etc. I just wanted so while you were talking, I had this thought too of you know, sometimes we think, oh, if I, I'm going to build this business and then, 
right? Or like, I'm going to raise my children and then, right? I'm going to work, 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 retire, and then. So first of all, we don't know what the future brings, but it's not necessarily that that's bad. But when it comes to thoughts and, and movement, the longer you are in that learned pattern, the harder it will be to change it. So if you are on the path, right, to building this, this, this big, beautiful business, right, running your own corporation, right, you've got family, doesn't it make more sense to invest now in yourself, right, so that you can kind of see, like you use your body as the compass of like what comes next or when to stop or how much to do, as opposed to spending 50, 60, 70 years in that same habit because by the time you get to 75 or 80, you might then know, okay, good. It's time to put me first, right? It's a lot harder to repattern those behaviors. You can. I don't think it's ever impossible to do. You know, the old saying, oh, can't teach an old dog new tricks. You can. It just takes a lot longer because those patterns are so ingrained in your body and then therefore in your in your brain and mind. So, so yeah, if you're looking to be just, you know, I don't mean business-wise more productive. I mean, that might be one piece, but being a more productive, emotionally sound, regulated person, you might want to set yourself up for those really good habits now. So that by the time, you know, you're retired or you sell your business or your kids are grown, you get to enjoy that time actually focusing on who you are and what you want, right? Some people are just learning who they are at that time. And then they have all this regret and remorse, right? For like, oh, I didn't do enough with my time. Oh, I I didn't do the things I really wanted, right? Again, I know we can't always do ev- we can't always do everything for us, right? But we can check in along the way and make sure that we're we are doing things that align with what we need. Would you say that's midlife crisis then? I mean, maybe that's part of it. You know, I think, well, let's see. Recognizing for the first time, like, oh, my whole life, I kind of just lived these patterns. It's not really what I wanted. I don't know who I was. Yeah. I mean, I think when you're asking those questions, absolutely. Sometimes midlife crisis, quarter life crisis, you know, sometimes it's, it is a recognition of mortality, you know? And so that's not necessarily a patterning. It's just a like, oh my God, I don't have infinite time. <laughs> right? Like That I see every day when oh. I look at my kids, I'm like, dang, they're growing fast. <laughs> right. Dang, that time is passing quickly. Right. You're like, like oh great. I have something that reminds me of how fast time passes every single day. <laughs> right? Whereas before you were like, oh, I look the same for the most part, you know, within five yeah. years, I look in the mirror. It doesn't look that different, but I mean, kids, kids think about different every day. Yeah. So yeah, I don't when, know. I, that could be a really good, like a research pro- or maybe it is already a research project, but what I, what I can comment on about that is there are movement patterns, right. That come up with these development patterns, right. So anybody, if anybody's familiar with like Erickson, he has these, these stages of development, right. Which is kind of funny because that really hasn't changed in a long time. So that was, that was based off of, you know, people living to maybe 65 or 70, (laughs) which societally is not really the case these days. We live a lot longer, but Typically, there are these these crises, right? When these developmental stages are happening or shifting. So I look at that from a movement perspective, right? And sometimes we can look at how people are moving and say, oh, okay, so 
I'm noticing this in your body. And that can kind of signal this stage of development. No wonder you're thinking you know, about autonomy, right? No wonder that you're looking to, to settle down, whatever that means, right? Or, oh yeah, you're, you're thinking about, you know, things that you didn't do in your life, right? That's, that's pretty in line with the stage of, of development. Where are we, what are we looking at within the body? You know, because we can move through a lot of those things based off of how we're connected in internally, how we're connected to our movements, how stable we are, how balanced we are side to side, top to bottom type thing. So it's not a bulk of the work that I do, but it's one of the things that I do really love to bring into the work is kind of this model of um, like movement assessment, connectivities, movement profiling. And again, it's not about this is how you're supposed to move. We always start with the baseline. How are you currently moving and how can we optimize that? How can we use your movement to support your psyche? And I think sometimes that goes hand in hand with like that midlife crisis, because those are the big stages I tend to see people, you know, kind of the the adulting stage, right? Out out on my own, building a life for myself, whatever midlife is, somewhere between maybe 40 and 60 for some people, you know, then that end of life, which can last 30, 40 years, but our movements are always impacted. Are we paying attention to what's changed? Yeah. Oh, my heart is just glowing. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I really appreciate your time. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah. I really hope that whoever is listening to this episode, you have a book too, right? I do. I released a book last August. It's called Body Aware. It's about rediscovering your mind-body connection. Stop feeling stuck, which is something that a lot of people resonate with. Yeah. And improving our mental health through very simple movement practices. So, you know, it's not about dancing. It's not about exercise. I don't even, at least on the cover, I don't use the word somatic. But for a lot of people who know that the body keeps the score, it's been a really great, like, introductory way to start getting back in touch with your body. Okay. Well, I will definitely ask you for the link or find the link to and drop it in the show notes. Great. I really, truly hope that this work gets more seen. It gets recognized by way more people. We really need to be back in touch with our bodies. We need to be able to access our intuition. And I mean, it's called a gut feeling for a reason. You can't access that if you don't have feelings or you don't have access to your feelings. Or you don't know where your gut is. (laughs) That's true. I think I got a pinky toe feeling right there. That's that's suspicious. (laughs) I do have, actually, I do have a right shoulder feeling. Like when something's stressing me out, like difficult emails, like my right shoulder will go up like it will sneak up yeah 16th of an inch half uh, up to like maybe half an inch and I'm like yo I am the one writing the email can you calm down please and I like talk to my body parts in like all kinds of different different ways which I think really truly comes from my background of like just stretching and feeling every part of my body and when you do flexibility one of the key things is like regulating your nervous system and it's very funny how each of my body parts kind of has its own little like personality and attitude sometimes like my Mm. right hip is anger like that's where my anger lives and and resides and if I had to like think of that Disney movie with the feelings oh, like the, the, little oh, red, yeah. the little red guy <laughs> he lives it's in right there <laughs> that's so funny i love that movie so, 
Yeah, yeah me too. No, that, I'm glad, like, thanks for bringing that up and, you know, like modeling to the listeners, right? Like how to identify those places or those parts of us because, yeah, it can feel really elusive and really just like, well, that doesn't make sense. You know, I don't understand that. But yeah, our body, start moving and you will start to understand. Right, you will start to understand. You'll start to see where you carry these things or when you exhibit, you know, you have these feelings, right? That there is a part of your body that is activated or moving along with them. Absolutely. Yeah. And then who knows, maybe you will also be able to identify le- um, like funny little colorful guys in different parts right, of your right. body. Oh man, the <laughs> anger. Yeah. The, is it at the end when like some, when someone's head, it's like all anger? <laughs> like every character is anger. It's so funny. Oh my gosh. I have no... <laughs> I, like, I, I know I those people. <laughs> I need to rewatch that that movie again. But like my little, ang- little red angry guy, like he is swearing and like he is raging sometimes. Mm-hmm. and i'm like can you calm down i would like to be able to walk later <laughs> right. so oh, oh my gosh whether it is for building your business or just living a more happy fulfilled life where you are in touch with yourself making decisions that are actually in your own best interest because your body tells you literally literally every day every minute every second of the day what it wants you to do and what it needs you to do or where it needs protection or where it needs boundaries. So please give Erica a follow, check out the book. And thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Content loungers, listen up. This is your chance to ditch the hustle and take a massive leap in your business and your income. This month, one of you guys is going to work with me one-on-one and together we will create a content strategy that turns you into a client and money magnet without working more. This is valued at over $2,000. And to get in on this, simply leave me a five-star review, take a screenshot and DM it to me on Instagram. Wishing you all massive success in your business. See you next week. And until then, sit back, relax, and let your content do the work for you.